This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Total Wine and More. I want something fun in the sun. You'll love this sparkling wine. Wow, great price. Find what you love, love what you find at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly, B21. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with Bet MGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, welcome to Urban Health Weekly, and this is Tamara Thomas, and I'm here with my good friend, Lou, and we're going to talk, well, look, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We're going to be talking about Omicron and everything that's going on in the news with Omicron, what we know so far, and everything in between. And how are you, Mr. Lewis? I'm fine, but remember, I am the producer. I am not, I am okay. not a good friend. Okay. I am- I want my official title. Fine. You're not my good friend. You're Today, I may not be a good friend because I may have to disagree with you on some things. That's fine. You can disagree. So I can't call you my good friend? No. Seriously? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll have to wait until after the show to see if we're still friends. (laughs) I guess with all the Me Too stuff, you never know. I could be misconstrued. Anyway, so let's jump into it. (laughs) All right. Medical news of the week. Is gluten-free bread healthier than regular bread? An estimated 1% of people worldwide who have celiac disease, a serious autoimmune condition triggered by eating gluten and can impair nutrient absorption and lead to symptoms like diarrhea, weight loss, fatigue, anemia, and a blistery, itchy rash. The only effective way to manage celiac disease is strict and lifelong gluten avoidance. For others with milder wheat-related sensitivities, Eating the grain doesn't cause the intestinal damage found in celiac disease, but can cause gastrointestinal discomfort, 
and symptoms like fatigue and headache that usually go away when wheat is avoided. It's not clear how many people have this condition called non-celiac wheat sensitivity, but it may be more common than celiac disease. A third, much less common wheat-related condition is a wheat allergy, which can cause allergic reactions like diarrhea, vomiting, facial swelling, or difficulty breathing within minutes to hours after eating wheat. If you have celiac disease, wheat sensitivity, or wheat allergy, going with a gluten-free bread is clearly the better choice. But in a 2017 survey of 1,000 people in the United States and Canada who purchased gluten-free groceries conducted by the food and beverage ingredient supplier Ingredion, 46% said they bought those products for reasons other than a medical condition. Among their top motivations, wanting to reduce inflammation or consume fewer artificial ingredients, believing that gluten-free products were healthier or more natural and thinking that such products would help with weight loss. However, none of these beliefs are true, says Ann R. Lee, a registered dietitian and an assistant professor of nutritional medicine at the Celiac Disease Center at Columbia University Medical Center. Hmm. You know, they're right. Gluten-free bread is not necessarily healthier than gluten bread. It's just not as foreign to the body because the wheat of today's genetically modified food supply is not the wheat that you or I grew up with or even the wheat of the 1950s. So my, my take on this is only eat bread if you're absolutely jonesing for some, but make sure it's organic or homemade if you can help it, if you can, if you can swing it, get, you know, if, and if it's homemade, don't buy like regular flour, buy organic uh, all-purpose flour to make your bread. Even better is just no bread at all. So Lou, I know you have strong opinions about bread and gluten and all that. So I'm going to give you the floor. Well, here's, I have a confession to make. So let me first start out with confessing. I've had a lifelong love affair and that love affair has been with bread. I first discovered how important bread was to me, both bread and pizza and stuff like that was to me. Yes, you are. You are addicted to anything that's carbohydrates. Yeah. But, Maybe, but, but let's stick with bread right now because mm-hmm. everybody always thinks about gluten-free and bread. Uh, it started out um, when I was much, much younger. I was trying to make weight uh, for some athletic competition. And I went on uh, Atkins or no-carb diet or whatever you want to call it. And, of course, I could not eat bread for a month. And after two weeks, I found myself going to bread stores and being like a little <laughs> kid. And putting my nose against it and breathing it in and all of that. So uh, I'm going to say some, I, I will give you a lot of kudos here. My love affair with bread is that the stuff that the bakers make, the old fashioned, you know, uh, loaves and done at a bakery. where The artisanal, have, more healthy. Right. It doesn't have the 8 million preservatives so that the loaf lasts a month or two. This mm-hmm. kind of bread goes bad after a day or two. Yes. It's to be eaten fresh or the bread that's made and, and all that. And my mouth is watering as I talk. So if I start slurring words, it's because now, you know, I, I shouldn't even talk about this. I also say that, you know, if, if you are diagnosed with a celiac disease or any condition, bread is absolutely off the table. So I am talking about that person that's in between 
that person that maybe I don't even know what that means in between. Like, what does that mean in well, between? Some people have very mild people who don't have it. Are you talking mild. about people who don't have any allergies necessarily, but just avoid bread because well, avoid bread or they, you know, it might cause some inflammation or other things, but it doesn't really. We're not talking about celiac disease or they have a full blown allergy to it. But wheat is not is not is not kind to their bodies or metabolism or whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. So, you know, well, give me your spectrum. What's your spectrum? So that so so that's your criteria for an in-between. And in-between should really eat it very sparingly and should avoid. No, no, that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, okay, so you have a spectrum. So on the extreme end of avoidance is celiacs. Then you have what you call your middle of the road. Middle of the road. And I I think most people are in the middle of the road where, you know, it's not exactly the best thing for you, but at the end of the day. So who is bread good for then? Who is on the other opposite end of the scale from the celiacs? I have no idea. I grew up in the 60s and, you know, I saw those commercials where Wonder Bread helps you grow in different ways. And you see this kid eats a slice and it was almost like Popeye. You know, you 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 had instant height. <laughs> Shrunk to the spinach. Yeah, all of a sudden, you, you mm-hmm. go from a little squirty kid to an NFL quarterback, mm-hmm. um, just eating the Wonder Bread. But um, I, I would stay, I, I'm with you. I would stay away from, uh, but not avoid 100%, but stay away from the um, the breads that you buy in a bag at the supermarket, regardless But that's of, where most people buy buy their bread. But, you know, if you do eat at a high-end restaurant that make their own bread daily, or if you go to a baker and get a nice roll or bagel or something, to me, that's doable. Mm-hmm. It's doable in moderation. I wouldn't make it a staple of your diet. Now, me. So uh, to, to say people, I'm not going to do it, I, I think that brings up, puts you under a lot of pressure. Because all of a sudden, then you start reading menus, and all of a sudden, I can't go here, I can't go there, I can't have this, and I can't have that. I, I think under moderation, most people, unless they have a serious condition and a serious reaction, can uh, stay in some gluten. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, gluten-free bread, while it's edible, it's barely edible to me on the scale of edible. Yes, I, it, I know of your strong displeasure yeah, it, with and, and distaste for gluten Free you products. actually see me yes. taste it. And I've say, seen you. What? I've seen you taste it. I've seen you turn up your nose at it. So I'm very familiar it with tastes, your. It tastes like cardboard, your... as far as I'm concerned. Is a main ingredient. I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah. go ahead. Go but ahead. But it's not. It's not the the king's way of of eating and 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 all that. So my my saying is that moderation. Yes, uh, moderation is avoided. And more and more, I'm avoiding. Wait a minute. You can't say moderation is avoided. What no, does, a, either a, a you're being moderate or you're avoiding. A moderate means that, you know, given a choice for something else, you go something else if it's a good choice. But if, you know, somebody's, you're in a, you know, middle to high end restaurant and, and they have a club sandwich and they do their own bread there and all that, hey, go for it. You know, have, have here's, the, here's the thing, Mr. Moneybags. Not everybody uh, has the opportunity or the means to go to a high-end restaurant and experience artisanal, freshly baked, uh, <laughs> locally sourced ingredients that are organic. I'm just saying the reality is most people go and they get their 
bred at the the King Cullen, the what's that one, the Publix, what's that other one? You know, that that's yeah. where people go and get their bread. They get their bread from a manufacturer that bags it up, that uses genetically modified uh, uh, ingredients to keep the food on the shelf longer so that even mold won't dare eat it. Um, and that, that should be your, look, your clue right there. Like if mold won't even eat it, should you be eating it? Right. But, okay. well, I mean, just, just, okay, just I, I go you know, that, but, but, you know, but I'm, yeah. but I'm saying that most people don't have that luxury. The other problem is there are a lot of people who have low level inflammation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they are not aware of that is caused by a lot of mm-hmm. these foods um, <clears throat> such as bread. So this really goes deeper than, than gluten. Mm-hmm. This really goes to um, the amount of, because look, carbohydrates become sugar in the body. Yeah. And we're not just talking about like sweets and treats and stuff like that, mm-hmm. your cookies and cakes and stuff. Bread is in that category as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may not taste sweet to your mouth when you eat it, mm-hmm. but your body recognizes it as sugar. And the high amount of carbohydrates in the human diet is a reason why so many of us are overweight or obese, mm-hmm. um, have you know blood sugar issues and low-level inflammation that eventually leads to conditions like diabetes, conditions, diseases mm-hmm. like diabetes, um, and, uh, arthritis and all these, uh, and cancer eventually, mm-hmm. you know, if it continues on, um, too long. So the idea that eating gluten-free is somehow going to change that is absolutely incorrect. Gluten-free bread does not absolve you from the carbohydrate problem. It may, it may, um, stave off some, of the worst effects of having the wheat, but the overall net effect is still the same on your body. And so my take on it is, like I said, if you're absolutely Jones and you have to have a sandwich, then okay, have some, but try to make it high quality, get a bread maker, invest in some good flour, make it at home if you can. It's much cheaper to make the bread at home and much healthier because you're not going to be dealing with like all of the products. And some people may say, look, I don't have time for all of that. I'm just going to pick up my bread. My bread is, I don't know, two for three dollars or whatever the price is. I'm sorry that I'm ignorant to the prices of bread. I just I don't eat bread. I think they're like four ninety nine now. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's like five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. So that's like run of the mill. Well, what kind of what kind of bread is five bucks? Really? Yeah. Holy hell! I am so sorry that I'm so out of touch, people. I just, I just, (laughs) I'm embarrassed. There is a woman who has her food delivered. Yeah, here's my two cents. But but the point that I'm making is, if you can avoid buying bread in the store, that includes gluten-free bread too. Now, if you have little ones that that have you know issues dealing with. with gluten, that's mm-hmm. a different thing. With kids, you, you kind of have to play it a little, you know, right. closer to the vest. Right. But for adults, you don't need it. You don't need it. You yeah. don't need that sandwich, yeah. you know. And if you really feel strongly that you do need it, then make it at home. Uh, you know, buy it locally if you can from like, you know, your local baker. Mm-hmm. So instead of buying that loaf every week, maybe save some money and go to the, the bakery 
find out what kind of flour they use. A lot of times they are using, unfortunately, the multi, the all-purpose GMO flour, but maybe they're not. I yeah, don't know. And, and, and you know, when you did say Mr. Moneybags, and yeah, I agree there's a little bit of that in there. But, yes. but a little bit of With your artisanal. Or, or, or wannabe Mr. Moneybags. Oh, unfortunately, but, I'm suffering from the same but, thing. I didn't know how much a loaf of bread was. But, you know. I'm the, ashamed to admit that. Here's the thing. You you can go to your local baker and and just get the one day portion when you're jonesing for something to make yourself a. But a we're talking about people who have families. I'm a single uh, mom. Yeah. I've got four kids. I've got to feed them. I don't have time or I work. Yeah. I don't have the time or the money to go to the bakery mm-hmm. and buy one loaf. It's not enough to feed all my kids. Well, my my also suggestion would be it's not only the bread; it's the stuff you put on it. And well, what's wrong with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? That's fine, but if you start putting in, like, you know, cold cuts with nitrates and oh, law! Now we get into a whole exactly. other thing. That's so that's why I think staying away from because to me, staying away from bread—that's the top of the triangle for changing right. the way you eat. Right, having fresher fruits and vegetables in in place of the mm. bread, and you know, moving away from that sandwich-driven type diet will be so much the better for everyone in your, in your household. Go ahead. Okay. And, and yeah, I was just going to say, um, and of course, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get bleeped out. So I'll just say the expression, don't make yourself an S sandwich, you know, because you start out with the processed bread. Next thing you know is you put in some cold cuts because you're in a hurry and blah, blah, blah. And what you wind up doing is putting all sorts of chemicals in your body. So I agree with there are healthier alternatives, but I think the healthier alternatives can also be found in the bread. I think that to me, gluten-free is only for people that have that disease. That's 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 my opinion. Uh, but other people, you know. Yeah, I just don't think you should replace one kind of bread with the other kind yeah. of bread. I think it, all of it should just be like the smallest sliver right. of your and, diet and as I, possible. Yeah, I've moved towards wraps. You know, I, I, I in some instances, uh, breakfast wraps, uh, uh, which I haven't done lately, uh, believe it or not. Do but you always turn your nose up at the wraps. You're always like regretting that you, I mean, not with the, you. The you're, wrap, you, you, the, you do the wrap and turn, then you're like, I'll never do this The, the wraps, I'm, I've turned my nose up. But like when you get like a big, when you get like a big juicy like sandwich with like, Thick sliced bread, you're like, mm. oh yeah, mm. oh yeah. But <laughs> you know, the, the problem I have with wraps, especially with outdoor dining, is that the food gets cold really quickly. The bread serves as an insulator, so when I'm having a breakfast wrap, you you gotta gobble that down fast. Yeah, that's because by a, by the back end of the wrap, I'm not a gobbler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I'm a slow eater. Yeah. All right. Well. So speaking of, you know, I mentioned peanut butter and jelly, which you sort of, you didn't really give your opinion one way or the other. Um, Huh. Well, so interestingly enough, speaking of peanut butter and jelly, there are four food allergy immunotherapy companies actually making um, immunotherapy, an oral immunotherapy um, for peanut butter of all things. Mm -hmm. So... In practice, oral immunotherapy had historically been an off-label practice in which allergists would give patients small but increasing amounts of an allergen that in large quantities would otherwise trigger an allergic reaction. The food in question here, as I said, peanut butter. 
My question is, why are we going so hard to introduce foods to people that their bodies clearly don't want? Why are we doing this? Oh, a couple of things. Uh, well, I, is it really know, that important? Is is peanut that nutritious? Well, that on, on first on first glance, I, I was there with you, where I said, "Is that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that important and that necessary?" No, it's yummy, not. That I need to go through all of that. However, there is the accidental. I got exposed to peanut, or there was sesame sauce. Well, that's different. Yes, it was in it was in some food that, that will I didn't help children. Yes, or that a would salad or yeah, something. Yeah, that would definitely help. You know, a lot of these schools now they have this nut free policy, right? Which, if you um, you know, any parent knows, a lot of children are very persnickety, and sometimes mm-hmm. the only thing they'll eat is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, that but was you the can't, old standard when I when eat, I went to school. Right. And remember, I. I I'll say it again. I went back in the 60s and 70s. You, you know, you had your, your hot lunch and you had your, and the old standby, your choice three was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I remember that in public and, school too. And they used to do that. Today, if you yeah, did that, whole wheat that bread school, and peanut butter and jelly. That school would be, they'd shoot the principal after, after class because now, that, you know, there's been a realization that it does hurt, harm people. Not a lot, but it does harm people. And so what they've done is they just eradicated the whole, there's just no nuts. So you can't even give your child who's not allergic because if God forbid they speak into the face mm-hmm. of or kiss, uh, you know, or touch a child who has an anaphylactic reaction yeah. to peanuts and they have an anaphylactic, uh, you know, shock or seizure, then that's a huge problem. So just no nuts. In fact, when I send uh, my little one to school, if she has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the morning on gluten-free bread, by the way, if she... If she, I'll, I'll let the school know, by the way, she had peanut butter and jelly so that if there's a kid in the class, they can make sure to wipe her down or avoid the kid or whatever, just, mm-hmm. you know, as a precaution. But that's where we are now. I, I, anyway, you you go ahead. I, you, I, you know how I, I feel. About I this. guess, you know, um, if, if you do have that type of allergy, you know, you can inadvertently eat peanuts i mean it's it's in a lot of salads and stuff like that a lot of places if especially if you're eating out not everybody tells you all their ingredients you know you maybe have thai food and something has peanut sauce even even mild peanut sauce or the spoon wasn't cleaned right or god knows what yeah so better safe than sorry if you have that i think it's an alternative and rather than thinking every single meal is a death sentence and having that EpiPen or whatever available. And EpiPens are so expensive now. Thanks, Big Pharma. Yeah, so you're welcome. Oh, please, you don't work for Big Pharma. Go ahead. Anyway, um, you, I think it is, so look, it's it's something in a toolkit. And if the person wants to avail themselves Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. it's, Mm -hmm. it's, It's good, but I'm, I'm, you know, it's something that if I was a doctor and I had a patient that had that, I would talk to the patient and counsel and say, look, there are alternatives. But I don't see this as, oh, I want to do this so I can eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But there are people who will literally do this because they want to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I'm just questioning, no, do you really need no, to do that? No, I, I remember seeing a, um, a report years ago and it made my jaw hit the floor was this old man and um, by old, he was probably in his, like his seventies and he missed being able to eat a roast beef sandwich. 
because it created gastric upset. He, he actually underwent a surgery that could have killed him just so that he would be able to resume eating his roast beef sandwiches. Now, mm-hmm. now you tell me, like, why punish your body this way? Why not just say, look, can't do it anymore? Why not respect the body's wisdom? I know. I know I'm like, you know, on my high horse, but I think, you know, a lot of times people don't respect their, their body's wisdom. Like when your body, like your body's telling you something. And when your body says like, look, we don't like this. You've got to just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about what your mouth wants. Sometimes it's about what your body's telling you is working for you and what's not working for you. Mm-hmm. So I just heard this and I was just like, really, mm-hmm. really? That's what we're doing now. But okay. I guess people are entitled to do what they want. And you know, you, you raise a good point about the, the, the food allergies and anaphylactic kids. It would make a huge difference in their lives. So mm-hmm. there. Well, uh, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a short break. Yeah, let's take a short break and we'll be right back. From the lower nine to uptown, mid-city to the West Bank, we've got you covered, New Orleans. WHIV 102.3 FM. And we're back. And this is an interesting story here. A, A study discovers a key gender difference in how people react to stress and alcohol. This is from inverse.com. Booze ads tend to show glam drinkers having a good time, but alcohol can also be a tempting solve during the least glamorous, most stressful times. You have a hard day at work, so you crack open a beer. Who doesn't have that friend who insists they will have one drink to calm the nerves, and then suddenly it's 11 p.m., they're five drinks deep, and they want tequila shots? This kind of binge drinking can lead some down a path towards alcohol use disorder, a condition characterized by uncontrolled drinking and preoccupation with alcohol. Well, who ends up with the condition is down to a complex mix of factors, including genetics, environmental factors, and occupational stress. Inverse talked to Julie Patak Peckham, an assistant research professor in the Department of Psychology at Arizona State University who studies alcohol use disorders. The lack of gender diversity means there is a lack of good data on what tips people to problem drinking, but she and her team are trying to change that. Recently, her team published a study in the Journal of Psychology of Addicted Behavior, specifically looking at how men and women use alcohol when they are under stress. Her findings suggest the key difference in how men and women consume alcohol, at least under certain conditions. We study impaired control over drinking, which is intending to limit to one or two alcoholic beverages per social event. But some individuals can stop after one or two drinks and some cannot, Patuck Peckham says. Some individuals just keep drinking once they have some alcohol in their system. To me, impaired control over drinking is at the crux of addiction. Her study found that women tended to drink more when under stress than men did. Men whose first drink contained alcohol and who then experienced stress drank more than men who received the alcohol-free drink. Women who experienced stress drank heavily regardless of if their first drink contained alcohol or not. This is interesting, you know, because Malcolm Gladwell talked about social drinking in his book, Talking to Strangers and its connection mm. to the rise in sexual assault. I know that was kind of like mm. left fieldish, but it is kind of related. Mm. This reminds me of what happened to me when I was young, but this wasn't like a stress-related situation. I think it was more like an anxiety-related situation. So I, my, my husband at the time, mm. husband number one, he was bartending at an event and mm. I was sitting at the bar keeping him company. 
and he just kept you you gave me champagne and I had it with cherries and it was all very delicious and then I just realized halfway through the the second one that wait a minute I haven't eaten so this might go left really quickly now thank goodness this was like a house party situation it wasn't like I was at a club or something Mm -hmm. so I passed out and someone got him immediately and I vividly remember him literally slinging me over his shoulder and mm-hmm. putting me in the car and taking me home and putting me in the bed. And that was, that, yeah, I, was, I mean, I blacked out. And those were the only things I remember after that. But it was really embarrassing. And um, I never, after I never did anything like that again. I mean, thank mm-hmm. goodness it was a situation where I was in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. I was among friends. Just imagine if this was like at some bar or some social event that no one knew me, no one knew him, and I was there by myself. You you understand? That's oh, things I, could I, go I'm bad. Some yeah. some some skeezy guy or some other drunk guy could have come and done the same thing and I wouldn't have known and I could have been assaulted. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this was when I was I was I was, you know, legal drinking age, but I was young at the time. Mm-hmm. So um I see the wisdom in this. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it, it's like what causes people to drink. Like, you know, me, I'll, I'll confess, I'm a social drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if people are around me, I'll drink. Uh, if I'm home by myself, the urge to drink, I rarely, almost never have. Only time I might have a, an urge to drink is if I'm celebrating something, even if it's by myself, or if I've had a really long, that dreadful day, but just a long time. So you do use alcohol to de-stress? I'm not going to call it de-stress. Like, if I've had a stressful, bad day where, you know, I got business problems or something's going on, I, I'm not going to even think about alcohol. It's the furthest thing from my mind. But if I'm just tired from, like, a, a lot of work or just, you know, maybe mowing the lawn or something. Not that I ever mow the lawn, but I'm just using that as an analogy. Some physical labor or something. Yeah, you know, just sitting down and having a de-stress drink works. But I don't have the urge to go to number two or number three. Mm. When it's social, sometimes I'll go to number two just because the people around me are having it. And I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll have enough. But it's not it's not an urge urge for me. It's sort of like, okay, I'll go along and have a second one. Okay, so I, you're so you do it to be social. Yeah, I, but I don't feel that urge to go number three. Number, I don't get that binge, even though I see it in people. Mm-hmm. Where they go with the binge and then they go with the shots and and all that. I you know I politely might take a shot and then just put it down somewhere and just spill it in a plant or somewhere. Well, how dare you do that to an innocent plant? But yeah, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Well, you know I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink, but it's not because I just don't like the taste of it. Mm-hmm. And you can make it as sweet and delicious as you want. I just don't like the taste of alcohol. It's just mm-hmm. not an appealing taste to me, and I just won't don't, won't drink it. But you know what the booze industry has done is they have gone out of their way to make and and for a long time there were a lot of mm-hmm. women like me who were like uh, this tastes disgusting. I just won't drink it. Right. And the alcohol industry has gone out of its way to make drinks sweet and tasty because women tend to respond mm-hmm. to like a sweeter the curve right. kind of to make drinks more palatable to women. Right. It's kind of like what the tobacco industry did where they added menthol to cigarettes to make them, you know, mm-hmm. more palatable. They've gone out of their way to make drinks for women mm-hmm. so that women will drink more. 
right and you know increase their market cap or what have you mm-hmm. and I think it's absolutely despicable. And I think that's why well, the hard lemonade, all that stuff. Yes. Yes. To, to, to widen the, the audience of who will, you know, drink their, their drinks. If it is sweet, people will tend to overlook the bite of the alcohol. Me, I cannot, I just, mm-hmm. I just find alcohol disgusting period. I mean, you know, an occasional rum in my, in my, like I'll make a rum cake or something like that, but that's cooking. That's not. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, like, oh, I'm going to have a tasty rum, you know. Um, and I think it's despicable, but here we are. Now we have proof positive that alcohol just is not really meant for women and Mm -hmm. we've kind of overridden our the i didn't realize you liked me that way deal because it's one thing to receive mcdonald's but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you mcdonald's breakfast still hot in the bag appreciate you there's a deal for every morning now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Defense mechanism, which is our sense of taste, uh, and created a generation. And you see it on TV all the time, Mm -hmm. too, right? Like every time you see people pounding down, I need a drink, and Mm -hmm. pounding down alcohol. I, I don't see anyone drinking water. I don't see anyone having like a an a, a iced tea or something like that, mm-hmm. an iced tea. They're having like liquor every time. Girl, I need a drink. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have a drink. Will you have a drink with me? And it's just become such a cultural thing that there's just really no escaping it. Well, I, I was never aware of this disparity until this article. And this article, there's a lot to unpack in this article. Yeah. But you, first of all, there is a bit of a disparity uh, in, in this article in terms of. But studies alcohol. have always shown that women can, women metabolize liquor different than men. Right. Women are not able. They, they think they can drink a man under the table. And that's just not true because we're not no. biologically made to do that. No, because the drinks, the, when, when a bartender gives you a drink, usually there's that a, a he and a she size. Yeah. Like clothing. it's one size. Yeah. It's one size. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm twice the size uh, of a, of most women. So yeah. my body weight is two times. That. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at that, mm-hmm. that means that the same drink is going to have a, 
a different reaction. But, meta- but also you metabolize it differently. Well, what this study shows, it, it didn't get into the metabolizing as much as the whatever the inherent issues of stopping. Yeah. Where for whatever reason, they didn't get into what the reason is. Right. But for whatever reason, right. the study showed that men were more likely to stop sooner than women. Uh, after one or two or whatever their number was, they they tended to drop off. The second thing, uh, you know, if you read deep into the article, the second thing that it found is that the the uh, the people of the study also started having the people do math problems and put the people under stress. And the group that was under stress tended to drink a lot more. So we're we're, we're finding correlations between stress inducements and the fact that that people just don't stop drinking. So some of that is is a little disturbing. but particularly women, because even am, even among the the the, the heavier drinkers, right. women still overrode that urge and continued drinking. Right, right. So the the, the effect is twofold. The effects of of two drinks to a woman half my size is almost twice what it is to me. Number two, if they go for number three, they've now had the equivalent of me having six drinks. So maybe it's not so good. Maybe it's not so good. And I think it's, it's maybe there, there should be limits or something put in bars. I know that. Yeah, but then you do that and women are going to say, well, you're sexist and you're discriminating against me and I, I should be able to drink just as much as man should. So, you know, well, look, I am, I'm very, very against um, taking away a woman's agency. I think if a woman wants to drink herself silly, she should drink herself silly. I don't advise it. I think it's a horrible idea, but I think if a woman wants to do that legally, she should be able to do it. I think what we what we what we're looking at here is why are women even why are well why are women drinking so much? Mm. Not why are women drinking, but why are women drinking so much? Um I, I don't know. Mm. I don't, you know, I'm not really qualified to to talk about that. I mean, I could talk about you know, uh, maybe a slightly related, but like, you know, my addiction to like, to sugar, like I, mm-hmm. I like chocolate and, you know, and, well, not as much as before, but you know, mm-hmm. I can relate in, in those terms of like, like I would eat an entire box of chocolate and I would just look around and be like, oh my God. So if nobody's looking, you would eat the entire box? Um, the, I used to be one of those people that would eat the, yes, I just down the entire and then what I would, and, and then I would just be like, oh my God, what have I done? You know? And I didn't even realize I was doing it. I would just like, just keep eating and eating and eating. Um, and then the whole box would be gone. And then, and then I would just be like, I, like afterward, I would come back to myself, like, what the hell did I really just eat? Like 36 chocolates mm-hmm. back to back. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not an inebriation. It's not, but, but, you know, it can be applied the same way, right? Like, it's like an Oreo cookie. Some people start with one Oreo, and next thing you know, and then next the thing you hold the whole bag is, is gone. Bag right. Is so I can relate in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I've been then, there and done that with potato chips and other things. Right. Exactly. Well, so so like for me, addiction is addiction. Like I don't think one addiction is morally better than another addiction, stuff like that. 
but some of uh, some some addictions are more i would say destructive than others and i'm not saying that having a sugar sugar addiction is terribly mm. um terribly um dis- dis- destructive to your body um and to your beauty and to your overall health it's obviously it's not the same effect it's not mm-hmm. the same immediate effect as alcohol mm-hmm. where you're not incapacitated mm-hmm. um so I don't know. It's really hard for me to judge, but I just thought it was interesting that here is yet another another reason why women should really pay attention to their alcohol intake. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's pretty much all I can say about that. All right. So why don't we take a quick, quick break and yes. we'll be right back. Sounds good. Frenchman to Oak Street, Tremaine, Gentilly, and the CBD. V102.3, WHIVFM, the vibe of the city for human rights and social justice. WHIV, 102.3 FM. And we're back. And we've got a lot to unpack here about Omicron. And so first, let's uh, show of hands, who has been impacted by, (laughs) we can't do show of hands, let's say I, who has been impacted so far by Omicron? I okay. I'll raise both hands and two feet. So if you can imagine, I've got four, uh, four up there. But yes, it's been. I was looking forward to having a normal holiday season uh-huh. after two years. Nobody so, I know is having a normal holiday season. Oh no, uh-huh. it's, it's done. You know, uh-huh. but I, I was so looking forward to having a normal holiday season. You know, holiday season, twenty twenty holiday season was. You know. Uh, and I felt safe because, of, of yeah, that was the season of misinformation because, you know, basically, if, as long as you didn't eat a bat, you were safe and and all this nonsense that was coming out <laughs> at that time. Then last year, the, the vaccine wasn't here yet, hunkered down. Within a, within a month, we'll all be safe. Then we started learning about breakthrough infections and blah, blah, blah. And it's finally, we thought things were under control. Had my booster. And I'm going to go out and go to a restaurant now. And then I'm a cron. It was like, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. For me, it's a similar trajectory. It's like I finally, you know, was able to resume some activities after I got vaccinated. And then then the concern was, well, wait, wait a minute. My little one's not vaccinated. I don't want to give her the um, the I don't want to give her the the Delta so I, I've mm-hmm. got to lay low. So some things I can do and other things I can't do. And then finally she got vaccinated and I was like, oh man, finally I can get back to life. You know, and then I get, you know, I get my booster and I'm thinking, ah, man, I can finally get back to like massages and all this other great stuff. And now I can't because Omicron mm-hmm. has, you know, her, her, you know, her babysitter um, contacted me and was like, so sorry to tell you, I just tested positive for COVID. And I'm like, oh, no. So now we're, we're quarantining. So there's that. Mm-hmm. So I've got to get her tested. For me, I'm not terribly worried. I'm going to test. I, I got some at-home tests. But I'm not terribly worried because I wasn't around her very long. I mean, she was in the house. But mm-hmm. I'm more worried about my little one because she was around her for several hours. You Ouch. know, yeah, not wearing a mask. So she's so far, she's been fine. It's been in several days and she hasn't had any symptoms. I don't have any symptoms either, but I, I'm going to take her to her pediatrician and get her tested because I, trying to test her at home has just been a complete show. 
And um, yeah, that. So that's where, so, so we had to cancel plans to go see the grandparents. And that's that, you know? Well, I, I describe, I think I can describe this as two ways. Number one, you know, in a more rational thought, um, I feel like I'm surrounded by Omicron, not somebody who's been like right next to me, but somebody who's been next to somebody who's right next to me has had some contact with somebody who's infected. I'm telling you. Just about everybody's hunkering down and, and, and all that. I haven't had somebody sneeze on me yet. But what this brings to mind is like that scene out of that movie Alien where everybody's eating and then, you know, all of a sudden a monster pops out of you. And, Ew. And it is kind of, oh, but that's kind of how Omicron feels. Like you're all there with a group of people and, you know, they're your friends. And then all of a sudden one of them has it. And then the monster's in the room, the monster's on the table. What do you do? You know? Well, you know what? This makes me feel like, do you remember that Dustin Hoffman movie with Renee Russo, Contagion? Oh, yeah. That's the theater, yeah. Oh, my God. Where someone sneezed in a movie theater and everyone's laughing and you can see the droplets just getting into everyone's yeah. mouth. And, and it's sort of the big screen and these sickened. droplets were watermelon oh, size. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Anytime I go someplace where someone is like mm. not wearing a mask, I'll just like walk out immediately because I'm like, oh my God, I don't want their droplets getting into no, my there's, eyes there's or tons something. Of movies, yeah. But the but the first question that we, we gotta tackle is how long does Omicron take to make you sick? Mm. You and I had a disagreement about this recently. I, I felt that it was very quick and you felt it was like five days. Uh and it turns out that I was right. So well, I don't know. Let, <laughs> let her be right, and then I'll I'll make. No, it it's, it's, I don't. It's not that I want to be right. I'm just giving you my mm-hmm. what I observed. All right. The original form of SARS-CoV-2 was a bit of a slow poke. After infiltrating our bodies, the virus would typically take about five or six days before symptoms kicked in. In the many months since that now defunct version of the virus emerged, new variants have arrived to speed up the timeline. Estimates for this exposure to symptom gap, called the incubation period, clocked in at about five days for alpha, four days for delta. Now word has it that Omicron may have brought it down to as little as three days. If that number holds, it's probably bad news. These trimmed down cook times are thought to play a major part in helping coronavirus variants spread. In all likelihood, the shorter the incubation period, the faster someone becomes contagious, and the quicker an outbreak spreads. Mm-hmm. A short incubation makes the virus much harder to control, according to epidemiologist Jennifer Nutzel at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security. This unfortunately leaves very little time to detect the virus, treat with antivirals, and curtail the spread. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you know, here in the Northeast, we're facing a wildfire spread of COVID cases. It seems like everyone is quarantining. And, um, you know, Urgent care centers have lines around the block and stores are constantly out of at-home tests. I mean, I was lucky that I was able to get some online, but it's just been bananas here. I mean, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the country. I found two yesterday kind of under the counter, blink, blink with the pharmacist type thing Mm -hmm. out. I had to drive out to the end of Long Island to the boondocks. You You had to drive to the wealthy neighborhoods. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, Shady. 
I mean, I'm not well shaming you. I'm not well shaming you. I'm just, you know. So that's what I did. I went out to Long Island. I think I, if I keep driving, it's going to get wealthier and wealthier out here. And I'll just keep trying until I find somebody who's willing to sell me one. And that's yeah, because it, because it, there's just none here in in Brooklyn. It's, it's but the the shorter incubation time, you know, you know that that's kind of scary because all, all of a sudden. You know, you you have it and you don't realize it, and just the speed in which it travels is yes. is a little daunting. Yeah. Um, hopefully that means it'll burn out a lot quicker. But you know, also let's look at some of the other data that's coming on uh, with well, Omicron. data from the UK already is suggesting that Omicron is less likely than Delta to send people to the hospital. So researchers looking at real-world coronavirus cases in Britain reported recently that the Omicron variant of the coronavirus appears to be less severe than the once-dominant Delta strain. Early evidence from Scotland and England suggests that Omicron is sending fewer people to the hospital. That surveillance tracks well with the latest observation from South Africa, where public health officials have reported that the Omicron variant is tending to result in milder illness. Scientists have not been sure whether that finding, however, would hold elsewhere. Experts remain worried that a sudden massive surge of a highly infectious but less virulent Omicron variant could still flood hospitals with very sick patients. New daily coronavirus cases reported in Britain exceeded 100,000 for the first time in the pandemic. But the United Kingdom is also furiously giving people their third or booster jab, administering almost a million shots daily. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said his government is watching the data but would not call for stricter measures to fight the spread until after Christmas at the earliest. This is kind of in line, like I said, with what I've observed. Uh, I had a wicked sore throat recently, and it was the day after I was exposed to an unvaccinated handyman. I also noticed that my little one reported having a sore throat. That's like one of the main Mm -hmm. symptoms of this new and you know me, I'm like a Everything is Delta. Or yeah, as a disclaimer, she's had COVID at least 17 times. Oh, yes. After every show, we have COVID. Yeah. Anyway, I did notice that she reported having a sore throat after like two short weeks of school. So like the Thanksgiving break where she was only in school for like three days. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what the other one was. But, you know, it was another short week. I think it was Veterans Day or something mm-hmm. like that. And she was like, I was sore throat. And I was like, again, already? It was such a short week. Mm-hmm. So that's where my observation came from, that this is a very short thing. I don't think this is the same. Five. And you're like, oh, no, it's five, at least seven days. But I'm no, glad, it's, you know. It's, it's about three. I, I, yes. I stand corrected on that. The data, the data shows that. But the data. Let the record show that he stands corrected, that he actually mm-hmm. admitted that I was right about something. Okay, okay, I just but, wanted but to, the, all right. The data, let me, let me get into the data a little bit here more and talk about this. The data um, vindicates me, but go ahead. It does vindicate you in that sense, but also where it's a little, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to use this as troubling, but the earlier versions of COVID don't make you necessarily, the immunity doesn't transfer uh, from regular COVID to Delta to Well, this. why would it? Well, that's that, like saying like that's the, like getting one flu shot and saying that that's going to last. The right, like I life. got the Hong Kong flu, so now I'm I'm immune to the avian. Flu. It just that's, doesn't work. That's what's happening here with COVID. As COVID changes, uh, each flavor of COVID seems to be a little. Different. And right now, only one in seven people are are vaccinated with the booster. 
Here in the U.S., yes. yes. Yeah, here in the U.S., where which is, Israel... Which is severely... Israel's um, going to number fours. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as we get into the politics part of all of this, um, you know, it's, it's, it is difficult because a lot of people don't have that third booster. We're now learning that the immunity from the vaccinations uh, dwindles over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're also learning that you know, immunity from one strain doesn't carry over to all the strains. So you could have COVID two or three times. Oh, um, yes. So your your carriers of this disease, the number of carriers of this disease is pretty wide, is pretty big. Also, you can have um, breakthrough COVID. Yes, which uh, is what happened with the babysitter. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, that, while not as severe, it's still, it's still not a good thing. Uh, so there's a lot of ways in which we can get the Omicron. Well, the good, the other, another good news, uh, another, I guess, piece of good news is uh, the FDA clears Pfizer's COVID pills for high-risk patients 12 and over. Now, um, they authorized the first pill for COVID-19, offering a highly effective defense against severe illness that will arrive as the country endures another surge of the pandemic. The drug developed by Pfizer called Paxlovid is authorized for COVID patients uh, age 12 and over who are vulnerable to becoming severely ill because they are older or have medical conditions such as obesity or diabetes. Tens of millions of Americans, including both vaccinated and unvaccinated people, will be eligible if they get infected with the virus. But this sounds to me like if you're under 50, um, let's say normal weight with no comorbidities, and you get hospitalized for COVID, it's not approved for use on you? Am I misunderstanding that? No, no, it's not recommended. Um, I mean, I don't see why anyone who needs to be hospitalized for COVID can't qualify. First of all, the pill is not cheap. Um, Okay. Each dose, I believe, is $700, $800. But let's forget about the, the, the price of it. It's to be used early on. Okay. So it's to be used uh, within the first few days of COVID, uh, that you have COVID. Now, in some instances, in, during those early days, you don't know that this thing is going to be long COVID or it's going to be life-threatening at the end or, or whatever. So, so it, does, it stops being useful uh, towards the middle or the end of the disease. It's not as useful. Secondly, you know, it's more recommended for people who feel that they're going to have a severe impact here. So it's for the elderly, the immunosuppressed, uh, you've got other issues going on. Right, I understand that, but my question is, but my question is, why? If 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 anybody gets, uh, if anyone requires hospitalization for COVID, why can't they get it? Why do they have to meet certain criteria? Because it might be. If you late, end up in the hospital, if you end up in the hospital, you end up in the hospital. It's not like it's like telling you to wear a seatbelt after the crash. You know, after after X amount of days. That's not really the same thing. After X amount of days, it doesn't really work that well. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all things being equal. You find out very early. You end up, you know, you go into respiratory distress or whatever. Mm -hmm. You end up that you have to call the ambulance. But you don't meet those criteria. Say you're 40 years old instead of 60 years Mm -hmm. old. Say you're 130 pounds instead of 230 pounds. Mm -hmm. Say you're you don't have any comorbidities like um, diabetes or asthma or right. cancer or HIV or whatever. You mean to tell me that these, these people 
are being left out and can't get the Paxlovid? Well, it's not that. It's that there's other things that are more... Um, and by the uh, way, the treatment is yeah. meant to be taken as 30 pills over five days. Patients take three three pills at a time, two of Pfizer's pills, and one of a low-dose HIV drug known as ritonavir, which helps Pfizer's drug remain active in the body longer. Okay. So on to speaking of things that just don't make any sense. Dr. Eric Topol, you know, mm-hmm. had a recent post on his Substack uh, blog, Ground Truths, mm-hmm. and it talked about what a uh, president could have done to counter the pandemic. And it was a really um, very comprehensive um, piece where he lined, he outlined basically where this stemmed from is um, Biden recently mm-hmm. announced that he was going to, his administration was going to see to it that COVID uh, tests become available to all Americans starting in January, mm-hmm. which is great, but that means you have to wait till after the holidays and people are getting sick now. Wow. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that leads to, you know, I'll, I'll just interject quickly because I, I don't think we're going to have time to cover it fully, uh-huh. but there's been this whole whose president was better, but oh, Trump was better at handling it, Biden was better at handling it. I, I, I think they both did admirable things. They both did a lot of things that that kind of say, hmm. Yeah, like his first official act, like when when South Africa said, hey, we've got this new variant here. His first official act was like to ban South Africans from traveling to the United States. Yeah, that's going to be lifted today, by the way. How about about mobilizing the United States to like get ready so that when it comes here, (laughs) we're ready for it, right? Well, you know, and and again, we we tried that before. It didn't work. We we banned the... it doesn't work because people travel you know because what are you going to do stop someone what about somebody who left south africa and returns to their country in europe and has it and wants to come to this country are you stopping those people are you backtracing where they've been this stuff doesn't work it it doesn't and all it does is it leaves egg on your face and it makes you look like you are excluding only certain people so This is what Dr. Topol says. He says, admittedly, there are many things the White House and President Biden cannot control, like the opposition to vaccines, masks, science, (laughs) science, and our main defense tactics to counter the pandemic, like facing very challenging versions of the virus that are hyper contagious and evade our immune system. Yet there are certainly several strategic points that could have been enacted, such as One, booster shots at four months after the second dose, not six months. Redefine fully vaccinated as three shots. Mm -hmm. No airplane passengers who are not fully vaccinated or having medical documentation for why it is not the case, such as the policy in Canada and many other countries. And let me interject here, folks. In Mm -hmm. the United States, as of right now, only one in seven people are fully vaccinated. Right. Only so one in seven people have received the booster. Have received the booster. And that should be the new definition of yeah. fully vaccinated. Yeah. Right now, the the, vac- the the definition of vaccination is if, you, if you've had uh, two shots or one yeah. if it was J&J. Yeah. And, and I, as a New Yorker, I'm still trying to get my third shot put into my... Uh, my app. Because, oh, don't get me started yeah. on that. That that I I carry the card and I I show the app. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's anyway, ridiculous. Okay, so the next thing he suggests is distribute KN95 masks to all households. Rapidly scale the production of the anti-COVID pill Paxlovid and uh fix the data mess. That's mm-hmm. a whole you 
So basically says the CDC is apparently unable to track hospitalizations and deaths by vaccine status, timing, age of the patient, and their relative, sorry, their relevant coexisting medical conditions. Mm -hmm. Secretary Javier Becerra of HSS hasn't shown up for the pandemic, but has authority to mandate such data collection across the country. We are trying to determine the clinical severity of Omicron, but have no ability to track the data here. The inability for CDC to see what was happening during the Delta wave and their over two month delay in recommending boosters for all adults resulted in a large number of unnecessary cases as shown on the CDC website just published over the weekend with only one of three snapshots since May, already a month old, with only a bit of data tracking cases and deaths, but not hospitalizations in a limited number of regions of the country. All of these are eminently doable, but our administration continues to take a reactive stance, seemingly incapable of aggressive, bold initiatives that are under their control. Our Mm -hmm. house of COVID is not in order. We are contributing more COVID than any country to the rest of the world and have been for months. We can indeed turn this around and show leadership, show the world how to prevail over this pandemic. It's never too late. <sighs> Thoughts? What, what, what's, what do you think? Well, my, my thought is, uh, you know, I, I'll be here a, a promoter. Of, you know, all of you, uh, uh, you know, anybody out that's interested, Dr. Topol's blog is. Uh, it's called ground. It's on Substack and it's called Ground Truths. Right. Is uh, freely accessible. And Dr. Topol is a true thought leader when it comes to medicine yes. and, and a lot of uh, a lot of things. So, uh, so he's been, you know, being on the cutting edge for about two or three decades is amazing. But Dr. Topol has managed to stay that way. So hats off to him, and hats off to making this fully accessible to anybody who wants to find it. Uh, I fully agree with this. This is not a one, you know, this is not a one-trick pony. There's not, oh, if we had more testing kits, uh, oh, if we had more of this, oh, if we had more of that. Um, all of these therapies and all yeah. of this prevention relies on this, but also I think we have to start getting to the mindset that we're here for the long run. This is not over, and we have to turn this from a pandemic to managed like the flu. And I think we're Well, this starting... is approaching endemic, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and we we have to start thinking about it that way. You know what? The flu does kill people. Yes, it does. And no question and about that. And we all take flu shots. We all take precautions, and that's. But what experts we have to are do. starting to say that they think that what's going to happen with 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 um the the COVID nineteen is that it's going to start like it can't. They're saying that it can't make stronger, uh, more mm-hmm. virulent strains of itself variants, and it's going to become the next flu. In terms of, yeah, I mean, yes, fingers crossed. Right. And the flu has, you know, milder versions and stronger versions every year. We we don't really know. And obviously it affects people, like people do die from the flu, as you said. Right. And and it takes a little longer to mutate than the way COVID seems to mutate that, you know, it's three or four times a year. But we're going to have to, you know, our new reality, I think, is going to be a couple of COVID boosters per year. I think, you know, I'm being a futurist now, but I'll, I'll say my final Nothing thoughts Nothing wrong here. with that. Um, we're going to have to take a couple of boosters per year. I think activities such as plane flying, movie theaters, museum visits, and things of that nature are all going to be masked. Um, and and re- responsible people need to do that. Agreed. Um, and and that's, uh, that's, that's the new uh, way forward. 
And I think uh, blogs like Dr. Topol's kind of start giving you um, a, roadmap, a, a yeah. roadmap as to what you need to do as an individual. This is not the government telling you what to do. This is you as an individual telling yourself what to do. I'm going to wish everyone a happy, happy new year. And Luke, I'll catch you on the flip side in 2022. Bye. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. Dunkin' Refreshers are the perfect way to get a little more out of your day. With more tropical flavors like new mango pineapple and more ways to get glowing. Available with green tea, coconut milk, or lemonade. You've got what you need to make the most out of every moment. Even the ones spent stuck in traffic. <sighs> what a beautiful day. Sip into all your favorite Dunkin' Refreshers like new mango pineapple. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. It's official. Summer is almost here. The sun is getting brighter, the days are getting longer, and your lawn is ready for some love. Get everything you need for a season spent outside with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. Manicure your yard to perfection with lawn care tools from RYOBI. Then get your garden going with vegetables and herbs from Bonnie Plants Harvest Select, plus mulch and soil from Vigoro and EarthGrow. Get your lawn as ready as you are for summer in the sun. Feels like Memorial Day at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.